you can explain the Bin Laden episode. Ooh, Ooh boy, that's a bad one. And then we'll fucking, I don't know, guess it, like, the finale of the first season where he comes back to the sorority trick. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we'll go to cut to the need, last, end, end of the year, end of the, the show. Episode. We need to talk about Jeff well, so Newser. The prison dad in prison. Dad in prison. Campus rape. And the final. And then the finale. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then the finale. Okay. This may go to an hour and a half. That's fine. People love it. Okay. They're hogs. They love to sop it up like flop. Our fans are all SOPs. I'm so glad that uh, <laughs> I won't forget to edit this part out. <laughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about news. Still in the news today. <laughs> Doing it every way. News. News. <laughs> I'm talking about news. Doing the news with the friend and the new muse. Doing the news. Some people don't want to hear the news, but I say that's not okay. You need all the news all of the time, every night, day. News. I'm talking about news. Doing the news with the friends and Jews. Do the news Talking about news Making it all happen In the newsroom tonight No matter We'll make a fight Whatever we need So that people will know What happened today All over the world Doing the news The news for you News Hello everybody Welcome to the news. <laughs> welcome. Hey, welcome to the goddamn news. Uh, I'm just going to let everybody know you don't have to follow suit. But in the spirit of the newsroom, after having in, it absorbed its incandescent message about the importance and necessity of good journalism, I will, throughout the entire show, be calling it the goddamn news. In case you haven't figured it out already, this is now, I think, the sequel to yes, the West Wing, is, the, yeah. to the much heralded, to the critically acclaimed West Wing episode. Yeah, and I honestly think at this point we got to make it a trilogy and do a Studio City at some point no, too. It's, it's never going to happen. In the West Wing episode, I think we sort of uh, inadvertently uncovered a new area of study, uh, and you know, heralded the arrival of a new and a very important form of political analysis, which is reading the uh, disaster of contemporary journalism and liberalism through the lens of. Aaron Sorkin's shows. After we did the West Wing, I was like, man, I didn't remember how bad that show was. Holy shit. Watching it again was a nightmare. After having seen a fair amount of the newsroom now, I can About say half, that... Half the needs room? Pr- half of the newsroom we've seen? I can safely say now the West Wing is good. I, I've seen... Or at least in comparison... I was... I had, like unlike the West Wing, which I had seen as a kid, so I had some familiarity with. I had never seen the newsroom before embarking upon this yeah, this journey. Either. Yeah, only Felix had the dedicated mental disorder to watch this entire <laughs> well, series. This is a family thing. Every year at our Christmas, we watch all the newsroom as a family. You know, I that's well, what Jews do on Christmas. Well, kind of. It's more that we're well. Some Jews are Orthodox. Some are Reform. We're ironist Jews. <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like the bad kid in the Breakfast Club, you know. You you got a you got a radio flyer wagon for Christmas. Me, I too ironically watch a show and make fun of it for eight hours and develop <laughs> prodromal schizophrenia. This swaying back and forth, that's what I have. 
we're coming out of a couple days now of watching basically nonstop newsroom. News. We just news finished up the um, news season three finale. We'll, we'll get into the, the the episodes themselves, which are amazing. But like like I said. This is so much more punishing than the West Wing. And if you listen to the West Wing episode, it's pretty clear how I felt about that. But the newsroom is so... It's like like the free base version of the West Wing. Like it is like instantly and intensely, uh, addictively sanctimonious, um, just treacly. Um, it's a, the China adorkable. White of Sorkin. Yeah, and there's one thing that actually kind of like made one of the things that made me appreciate West Wing more is like he got dinged really bad when that show was on for the cliche of the walk and talk, people speeding through hallways while delivering dialogue, and people were like, oh boy, what a crutch. But newsroom doesn't have that because it's not in the wing of a building; it's literally in a room. So most of the conversations are had by people sitting or standing and not moving. And holy crap! <laughs> I had no idea how much difference that makes in terms of pacing. Like, those conversations just drag. They're so agonizing. But when they're walking, they somehow, it works. Walk and talk works. You feel more kinetic. The bottom just falls out in this show. There's no more pretense to historical moments uh, being designed by smart people. It's just a petty, gossipy media class. And uh, because that bottom falls out... It's just sort of wackiness and attempts at witticisms and banter. And that's the worst, whatever you want to say about the rest of them, the worst type of uh, sort. Yeah. So uh, the thing about the West Wing is that they wrote a world. Yeah. They created a world. And like that at least requires, you know, writing. This one, I didn't know this before going into it, but they literally would just take shit from the headlines and not in a like law and order you know special victims unit way but in a like literally they would just go to yahoo news and refresh every day keyword news in the past <laughs> this show actually takes place in the past it was the first season yeah because it wasn't they were like keeping up with the fucking yeah. cycle it debuted in 2012 and all of the events happened in 2011 and so you basically Re, it's ba- somebody said it's like watching the the old news with the director's commentary. Yeah, it's like yeah, they just didn't hire writers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like it's for the people who were like, "Oh my god, I wonder what it was like when they were putting together coverage about the Tea Party." Yeah. Like all the shit that you don't remember, or barely care about from the last it's, ten it's, years. You're just like, "Huh, what if there was a sanctimonious uh, sexist guy running around?" It's and worse then an than the old man who shits it's, himself. It's constantly. so it's so it's so much worse than that because. It's like reliving the news stories of the very recent past through the le- through the via the medium of cable news, which is vomitous enough as it is. But the entire purpose of the show is like Aaron Sorkin and the creators and like everyone who like the main thrust of the show is like, remember these news events like the rise of the Tea Party? What if that was covered by responsible goddamn newsmen who told the news the right way? And it's like this like idea that like that. If only we could have had that, like maybe like history would have turned out different, even though it didn't. But like Aaron's like, okay, if I had the chance to talk to that Tea Party congressman, this is how I would say. And that just straight. shows how impotent it is because because it, it's, it's based him imagining on real himself history, in the shower. It's real. It's based on the actual events. So that means that he's like, what if there was real goddamn news coverage? But it doesn't impact anything. The yeah. history happens exactly the same way. Right. He's right. totally. Po- he's like oh the whole thing God, is a sub-rosa right. demonstration of his own. 
absolute impotence. Because the, even though the world that he creates has ACN and Will McAvoy on it, the events happen the exact same way. Oh but, my God, you cannot escape the fates. Yeah. Actually, it's like it's like the Odyssey. It's This is, never mind, I've decided it's good now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to give people an idea of why this is the case, why Jeff Newsroom is this avatar for a alternate reality in which a, a Sorkin type anchor had airtime every night is because vaguely speaking ACN is like CNN I guess and that's the channel that Will Newsroom is on and uh, in the first episode which we'll get to he has an epiphany that leads him to take the news more seriously and the rest of the series is imagining a, a cable news uh, channel that took the news seriously and <laughs> didn't gave report you the, the news, news reported the goddamn news exactly there's nothing that's more important in a democracy than a well-informed electorate. I just want to make sure you know you're still on the side of the door. When there's no information or much worse, wrong information, it can lead to calamitous decisions and clobber any attempts at vigorous debate. That's why I produce the news, Leno. I think Jay and I would rather be employed if it's all the same to you. It's not all the same to me, you punk. I've come here to take your IQ and your talent and put it to some patriotic fucking use. And where does it say that a good news show can't be popular? Nielsen ratings. We're going to do a good news show and make it popular at the same time. That is impossible. Between your brains, charm, looks and affability, and my... Refusal to live in reality. It's impossible. You know what you left out of your sermon? That America is the only country on the planet that since its birth has said over and over and over that we can do better. It's part of our DNA. That trash. to me is like the single thing that like I, I just couldn't get my head around watching the show because at least in the West Wing they're like glorifying people who are working in the White House and like you know like, like yeah. the, the, thing, the things that they're doing are like you know important or whatever and but exist like, in a world that can be changed by their actions that's true yeah. up. I, but even I, and he didn't think about that because he's not a good writer he's like okay we're, I'm gonna rewrite all the, the fantasy scenarios I had in the shower every morning after watching the news oh but guess what the media doesn't actually change anything he completely wrote that out of <laughs> yeah. his fantasy yeah like the West Wing was his fantasy of like what a good government would be and the things they would do and like you said because he created a universe he could populate it in which like new and novel things happen or like he can script it according to how he thinks it would play out this is like his ideal version of the news but like the events are already set in stone and it's just like the, the damage has been done but like here's how I would have talked about them were I asked in 2011 about the <laughs> yeah, tea he's party pro- he's proving that it's his, his yearning is not to make the world better. It is an aesthetic preference. Well, yeah, I mean, it sort of reminds me of the people, uh, Ted Lou, the representative who's uh, famous for posting a lot. Yeah, the posting uh, rep. He, uh, he said, you know what, Mike Pence, you can have your stupid tax cut as long as Trump resigns and we restore honor to the office. It doesn't matter the events or the policies or the people thrown into the meat grinder as long as there's this veneer of honor. The same horrible things that happened over the past eight years can happen as long as there's this guy on TV going, uh, sir. Sir, sir, do you believe global warming is man-made? Sir, do you have any decency? So That and, would make everything okay. And, and there's another thing that I think contributes to it, which is that uh, Sorkin, now obviously older than he was when he was writing The West Wing, is writing young characters. Like the, oh, the, God. The oh. way that the uh, hip, oh, young, my God. adorkable was kind of the watchword. Okay, I like to say, with all respect, that I don't feel I need to be supervised. Okay. You let me do it by myself? No, I just meant, okay, I heard you say that. Almost all of them having affairs with each other inside of the newsroom. And like the West Wing, the dialogue is super quick and the banter is flashy and it's all like 
shit coming out of a duck's ass. It's very fast and loose, and you're just supposed to be wrapped up in the the pure, like Matt said, sort of aesthetic um, of how these people are in this world. But every conversation is just this 80s guitar solo of dialogue that doesn't lead anywhere because, as we've discussed, it's just a bunch of media assholes running around. Forgot? Yes. You have a staff. They can write these things down. They can, but I have to remember to tell them to. Mm. So what do you say? You're my first and only choice. What about Jerome? He's in Bermuda. Kathy? It's her parents' 50th anniversary. Taylor? Bronchitis. So... Yes, you are my fourth and only choice. I can't host Elliot's show. Don't be ridiculous. You host your own show at 4 o'clock. About financial news. You're expanding. Oh, come on. I gained four freaking pounds. No, Professor. Right. Expanding. Yeah. That'll do. Let's get serious. I'll begin by saying that Will cries when he watches the movie Rudy. No, I don't. Cries like an onion. Onions make you cry. They don't themselves experience emotion. The way you experience emotion when you watch Rudy. One scene, one moment, once in a while. The Jersey scene? Yes. Everybody cries at the Jersey scene. He'll have like uh, a young woman like in her early 20s making references to the musical Gypsy. And a guy in his like late 70s or 80s saying the word douchebaggery. Just yeah, like off the like cuff. like a horrible melding where, 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 yeah, the old people sound are using stupid. Everyone is lingo. exactly Aaron Sorkin's age. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's all because everybody has the same mid-century middle brow reference pool. Broadway musicals and you know, uh, like, like, like the the book of the week, the books of the week that people would you know read in the sixties or whatever. Yeah, it, it's kind of like if the entire universe, if someone did the get out procedure to everyone in the world, <laughs> except the brain implanted was a sixty-two-year-old gay man who owns an <laughs> antique shop <laughs> in like a, in like a nice upstate New York town, and he's like, "Wow, this is just like Gilbert and Sullivan." <laughs> it's like, what? What the fuck are no, you talking like, about? I, like, I, I got a little off track, but like. like like I said, the West Wing was about glorifying people like at the height of power and government. And so there's like a certain action there that you can wring out of even these fantasy scenarios. The thing I cannot get past with the newsroom and that was like present in every single frame of the show for me is that we're being asked to invest our attention, kind of like hopes and like like everything into a guy who does an hour a night on cable fucking news like like that like every all the action in the story is around him sitting and reading shit off a teleprompter and making a cable news show every night like it fucking matters i think we should actually i think it makes more sense to introduce the characters as they appear yeah, yeah. right as like i think we should just describe the pilot episode yeah and then sort of like go from there and we'll we'll pick out our sort of our favorite scenes and moments that showed up throughout the rest of the series, and we can all right. provide context okay, let's for start. the moment. Okay, we got to talk let's about. Let's get this fucking and, but blood again, carnival I, I going. I cannot oversell enough how 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 just more violently repellent this show was to me, even <laughs> every level, even like compared to the West Wing. Well, I mean, it's like okay, it's like it's slower. It it has worse pacing. It, the dialogue is somehow worse. The misogyny we'll talk about is way more rancid. And just like the care, the, like the literal actors are uglier, like that. It's yeah. that level. Like yeah. the, there's two guys, two young guys who are oh. the, the not the younger like male leads. Don and uh, Don uh, and Jim. Jim. And okay. they are both fucking trolls. <laughs> Specifically, Don, who looks like he's got jaundice and tuberculosis. Yeah, oh, and, and he looks like out. Eugene Toomes from X Files. Yeah. No, the, and then Don, the other one, looks like the lesser. Cuomo brother. Yeah, he looks. No, that's all done. That's all done. The opening scene, like the the pilot of the newsroom, we 
we've actually already described back on the West Wing episode because Felix, you, you showed it to us after we were watching the West Wing and it was like three minutes and like, again, my eyes were bleeding while it was going on. Like I couldn't yeah. process what was happening. Then we, then we, okay, so then we finally got down to watching this whole pilot, which is like an hour and a half long. It's so long. Just, okay, to refresh your memory, the, sh- the show begins with Jeff Newsroom on stage flanked on his left and his right by just the typical ignorant backbiting back and forth liberal and conservative political commentators and they're blah blah blahing like you know having the same old debates the same old arguments that don't elevate anyone and they and they're nasty and they're insulting and they're they're dumb they're for dumb people it's people not- people are asking questions on stage like you know uh, you know, do you think war is justified? And Jeff is giving sort of pithy responses. He's like, uh, I, uh, I think the New York uh, Jets are justified. Yeah. The house is packed, by the way, because people, yeah. of course, would be like, the, the news guy is talking to a conservative and a liberal? Where else could I see this? <laughs> but so up to the up to the up to the microphone comes sorority girl. And Ugh. she goes, uh, I wish Southie was the president. <laughs> <laughs> She's like uh, Jeff Newsroom, uh, why is America the greatest country ever? And triggered. That's his trigger war because he just Jeff Newsroom. He takes out the he takes out the chopper, <laughs> sprays everyone with truth. Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force and number four in exports we lead the world in only three categories number of incarcerated citizens per capita number of adults who believe angels are real and defense spending where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined 25 of whom are allies now none of this is the fault of a 20 year old college student but you nonetheless are without a doubt a member of the worst period generation period ever period so when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world i don't know what the fuck you're talking about yosemite and then, but then the real, so you're like, okay, this is statistics. It's, it's Sorkin being like, oh, you know, I'm, I've actually read all the data and he's rattling off this stuff. But then the really infuriating part is halfway through when he's done yelling, he goes, so we're not the greatest country. Sure used to be. Goddamn right. And then the second half. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors, we put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. During Jim Crow, we were... (laughs) So good. Back when the country was ruled by... Men in short sleeve button up t shirts and crew cuts. Yeah, back when there were honorable public servants like Bull Connor. Uh, yeah, he says some line about like, you know, men were men and like America, we knew we were the greatest country, so we didn't have to tell anyone about it. 
That which was is never the case. With we always NASA and the space program. Yeah, we spent a zillion dollars to kill a monkey in yeah. outer space we, just as, out of competition. Oh, the the we we trained killers in South America because they were rude to a fruit company. <laughs> like there was always imperialism in the twelfth. Shut the fuck no, up, no, Jeff. No, there wasn't. It only happened when uh, the news became when snarky. The yeah. showed up. Am I yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> the, the Dulleses were actually they founded Gawker. <laughs> <laughs> so right. So you see. Uh, just in that first scene, like it, it, you know, something comes over Jeff Newsroom, and it's his like road to Damascus moment. Well, also like, he has what you think is a hallucination of yes. Emily Mortimer. Yes, which brings Cal- us who's to prompting him, mm-hmm, like McKenzie the second Mufflin. lead. Yes, Mackenzie McHale, who will become his producer, his former <laughs> lover. All these people Scottish. His former lover, who will become his producer on the newly revamped. Wow, Newsnet. I bet there's going to be a lot of conflict. Uh huh. A- Amber has a great point. They are all Scottish. This is like Jim Webb was a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> We're the purest Americans. No, but we we see just in that first scene where what really sets Jeff Newsroom off is a question from an ignorant, empty-headed young woman, blonde, a blonde woman, and uh. In there, it's like it's he's he hates. There's nothing worse on the newsroom than just a woman who is frivolous, doesn't know what she's talking about, and getting in the way of the news and facts with her. I got my birth control all over the teleprompter. Uh, can we do a report about uh, Katy Perry? <laughs> no, you stupid whore. <laughs> so, like, the, the I'm pre- still laughing at whom amongst us does not enjoy an instant gram. <laughs> you guys love your instant grams. <laughs> but we have, as we as we pointed out, every character on the show is Aaron Sorkin. It's a vehicle for him and some debate or some witty thought or, you know, uh, dialogue that he's had in his mind that is just a demonstration of how uh, correct he is. So, like, there's nothing that annoys him more than pop cultural references that he doesn't know about or get. So, like, anything that a woman is interested in and even the slightest can be dismissed Wholly out of hand, instantly by Jeff Newsroom as just being like, "What's no, not the news?" No, but he knows who they are. Like Aaron Sorkin knows who they are, but he resents having to know what they are. Right. He resents that, like, there is like a celebrity culture. Oh yeah, he just burns them up. Why do I know this? The yeah. goddamn Kardashians are. Yeah, I don't so know who all these UN general secretaries are, but I know the goddamn Kardashians. Like, and the, the, the setup here is even more monstrous because, like, general the, the, Jeff Daniels is supposed to be this this once great man who is like aspired to be Walter Cronkite, but like, he's just been phoning it in, doing you know bullshit stories about the weather or Lady Gaga or whatever, but he's dying inside. Mm. And this one stupid broad just lights a fire inside him and sets him off to tell the truth. But enough about his (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Yeah, to tell the truth. And then it's like a big moment. Uh, It blows up. It goes viral. And people are like, oh, wow. It gets thousands of hits on the web zone. Who's this this (laughs) Jeff Newsroom character? And like as we were watching it, 
the idea that that would happen, like a figure like Joe Scarborough or like Chris like Matthews. Keith Olbermann, very, Sui was like Keith, Keith Olbermann and Matthews and Lawrence O'Donnell kind of all in yeah. one. Yeah. Like if, if one of those figures were to appear at a, like a college campus and was as fucking rude to the, like, like that person for no reason, like the headline would not be like, wow, brave newsman tells the truth. Yeah, it would be, it would be Olbermann be, is unhinged. <laughs> yeah, what the detestable fuck? asshole loathed by all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. The, the Jeff Newsroom character is so monstrous and so unlikable, but the show clearly thinks he's great. Well, because, yeah. you know, I think Sorkin is somewhat self-aware that sometimes he's being a little, he's being a little bit sexist or he's being a little dismissive of, of the people underneath him, but that he's, it's he's part an of his ordinary charm. guy, you know? He's too busy with the damn truth to worry about the niceties. And he's, he's old school, he's old too. School. You know? He yeah. that uses his underlings. Yeah. He, at one point, he calls, calls a South Asian employee Punjab and just yells it That's across true. the fucking office. Yep. And people are like, wow, he sure doesn't keep it politically correct. Like you just yelled racism across yeah. your office. So, Sorkin is uh, he rails against Gawker all the time, and it's like Gawker existed for someone like Jeff Newsroom. That's the exact villain that they would have taken <laughs> on rightly. Yeah, and uh, I guarantee you, Sorkin was one of the people who watched The Sopranos and was like, "I like Tony because he's the boss." I'm <laughs> <laughs> but he's a better person than Jeff Newsroom. Tony is a better person to his underlings. He's certainly more morally conflicted and like has nicer guy. Has nicer qualities better than Jeff Newsroom. Yeah. yeah. He wouldn't be like abusive to someone underneath him. So that then, would be considered low class for Tony Soprano. So then nicer it, to women. In that first episode, I guess the thrust of it introduces us to all the characters, which is that there's going to be a new show where news news is taken seriously and Emily Mortimer is his Ex, who there's a complicated past. It's tough, but you know she's the best goddamn. She's woman the best the goddamn. goddamn job, job, so you know, we like, gotta do it. She, like they, she comes in and uh, like she's being shepherded by the other major character, the Sam Waterston character, yes. who <laughs> is a terrible. Who's Redenbacher. I'm sorry. I lo- we all love you know DJ DJ D- Matt Jack McCoy. Jack McCoy. We all Yo, love DJ Law Jack Order. McCoy. Spin that fucking track. <laughs> we all love DA uh, Mr. Law and Order Sam Waterston. Nah, but goddamn, all prosecutors are rats. <laughs> Drown them all. <laughs> but what Waterston is fucking Awful. phoning in this role to the nth degree. He's phoning yeah. it in on an old school telephone with an ear corn- horn <laughs> because he's like his, his, he's always bobbling around he's and he's just always seems to be like yeah. apoplectic at yeah. the whole time. He's like squawking. He's like a giant chicken. Yeah, just squawking. He, and flapping he wears a bow tie. He a bow tie. And he's like Sorkin's like view of like what the classic era of like newsman. Yeah, news drinks producer. all the time. He's yeah. always having a scotch. Drinks all the time. He clearly yeah. has alcoholic dementia. Like, he, he, you know, he's like, I remember when I was covering the news in Vietnam, we saw a cute girl dance for us. And, yeah. You know. yeah. He's like, that's a terrible story, Grandpa. <laughs> I, I, You're talking about going to a brothel for the GIs. <laughs> I remember when we were in a little village called My Lie. But, uh, so he, he, he wants Mackenzie McHale, Jeff Newsroom's ex, to be his new producer, who's going to take him off the leash and go back to doing news the way it used to be. And when like he brings in, they introduce the Emily Mortimer character, it's just like, she's fresh back from Iraq and Afghanistan. She did two tours of the news over there. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, who is your executive producer? <laughs> yeah. You realize that news. people have been reprimanded by HR for asking that question to a female underwear. And so like he she sort of brings her people with her and like they, there's like a meshing of these news of the, the newsroom and like her people. And of course, and instantly Jeff Newsroom is like no, you're fired. I'm not having this. I'm going to my agent right now. I have hiring control over everyone, and he's against it. There's this whole back and forth, but 
slowly but surely in the newsroom amidst all this griping and people being prima donnas, what's this? Oh, something coming over the wire? Something about a, a fire on an oil rig in the Gulf? Could it be the beginning of the Deepwater Horizon disaster in the Gulf of Mexico? Yes, it is. And that, the probably the greatest environmental disaster in American history is the glue, the catalyst, the tinder, the match. I'm loosing all my metaphors because I'm a newsman right here that unites this staff to come together and do the fucking news. And it's more important than them. Yeah, yes. exactly. The news. They, they, they rise to the occasion of doing cable news about like an unfolding disaster. Yeah. Will McAvoy, Mao, Mackenzie McKell, Lynn Bao. She can never fully Also, they be make that person. South Asian character know a ridiculous amount about oil drilling for some reason. Oh, yeah. Dev Patel plays the, like, the, IT, the IT guy. He's a South Indian techie. Mm-hmm. What a shock. I mean, wow. That's yeah, an amazing oh, casting. Oh, and, and Jeff Newsroom thinks he's the IT guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is endearing. These are all good. We're all supposed Not to like sense that. And then you have, you have Allison store. Pill, who is the aforementioned underling, she who just enjoys pill. getting Accurate. yelled at uh, all the time. She's and, sort of like... She's always like adorably flustered and like yeah. walking the into doors. The first time he remembers her name, she just fucking nuts. comes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a recurring theme of the show is that actually we never see the floor of the newsroom because they're it's ankle deep in pussy <laughs> juice due to Jeff's epic monologue. When Jeff when Jeff gets off the air and puts on his statement leather blazer, oh, wait, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to bring that up. Did you notice that he only starts wearing the blazer after they start doing the real news? <laughs> yep. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is what Sorkin thinks uh, masculinity is. It's like if you're just abusive to women 95% of the time and then be slightly nice to them 5% of the time, they will fucking come. And that is a description of how you inscribe Stockholm Syndrome on someone. Well, I remember in one of the last ones, there were two scenes in a row where I think it was Olivia Munn's character first and then um, probably Mackenzie or someone else. They both call a guy they're talking to an idiot. They call you, you're a, you're a big dumb dumb. And that to him is like, I've done my feminism for the day. That is uh, almost a little bit too much feminism but in one episode because meanwhile in terms of like actual plot stuff all of the like biggest fuck up it is mostly all women. Done by women and the women always like are hysterical basically i think it's most offensive in the mckenzie character because she while he gives her eight phds and she's been in iraq and all this stuff literally in the second episode she doesn't know how to use email and she replies all some private message to jeff wah, to the whole wah. staff and then they all know about their affair we stood in my office this morning. And I said, under no circumstances do I want anyone here to know what happened. And you said, yes, and yes, again. And it, it really, it really seemed like you understood. And then you sent an email explaining in some detail what happened. And then you copied 47 reporters Can I go into your office? You know how sometimes something happens in an instant that's so astonishing you just shut down? Of course, that's understood. That doesn't fucking happen to me! How is she no email? She's been busy doing the news in yeah. Afghanistan. Similarly, carrying over from the West Wing is that like if you portray female characters who are like highly competent and like highly accomplished in like some professional field, you can show them to be complete klutzes, ditzes, and just vacuum, sort of just frivolous people in every other regard. And it's just like... They're all defined by the relationships. 
Like that's all they really care about, and it affects their work and everything else. Mortimer just, and Allison Pill. It's a horrible. Just to watch it is like really it makes your skin crawl. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, those lizard men are like only lightly touched by the romantic travails. <laughs> yeah, I mean every every scene with every woman is they're like, uh, uh, I accidentally changed the ACN logo to a swastika, <laughs> and you know one of the male characters is like, I'm gonna fuck that stupid out of you, you dumb whore. <laughs> with the news, I eat a pussy every night. It's called the Wall Street Journal. I can find the G spot. It's called the opinion page. You know what makes a woman come? Diverse views. I mo- I don't mumble the alphabet into her clit. I mumble the masthead for the New York Times. This man has a sickness. So, <laughs> so the news team assembles. Yeah. And they co- they coalesce Absolutely. around an important news story, and like they show them like they come together to like to do they like and like their first broadcast is completely off the cuff. Emily Mortimer is just like in the control room. She's got the headset on. She's like, "Will, I'm in your ear. Listen to me very closely. Whatever happens tonight." do the goddamn news. <laughs> <laughs> and and they just like they do some bullshit where like he like interviews someone from like the interior minerals department or geology some government geologist and he's like sir sir do you have adequate funding to inspect every oil rig and he's like uh uh i guess i guess not so thank you thank you sir for your time and then like he gets to the end of what is a completely standard hour of cable news if you've ever watched anything on cnn or msnbc it would be exactly the same he's he gets done he says thank you i'm jeff newsroom and good night as soon as he does, the entire newsroom from the control room to like the people on the floor give him a fucking standing ovation. And I was just watching this like, why? Well, wouldn't you? Yeah. He just he did, did his news. job. He, he gets did paid the millions. goddamn news. What the oh. fuck do you want? But he did it for Ugh. real. He did the goddamn news. This is the over like again. This is the overarching <laughs> thing from like it, the the incredible like opening credit sequence, which like cuts in pictures of like Murrow news. and the like, very first yeah. thing you see. It's all a montage of old news footage and the first thing on the screen is all covering the entire screen is the word news <laughs> yeah it's me i mean the the thing about them applauding for him doing a competent news broadcast is like what was he like before this broadcast like during 9-11 he's like so how does this affect the celebs <laughs> is uh is dmx all right they were like they're like uh jeff jeff we're getting we're getting reports of a a, a plane crash in lower manhattan uh no, I'm doing this summer of the shark story right now. Thank you very much, little Missy. The, watching the show and the like, the again absurd regard it has for fucking cable news people. Remember, we were complaining about how the West Wing held like the White House communications director in a disgustingly high regard. This show is doing it about Keith Olbermann. Yeah, and it reminded me of something that uh, Alexander Coburn once wrote about like the difference between American and British journalists. Is that like American journalists still, like have this idea? Largely, probably because like Woodward and Water Bernstein, probably that like the journalism is a Watergate. is like a high calling, or that they're, they're, it's some sort of like crusade to make like the world a better place. And he said, "You can't find a single journalist in England who isn't completely shit faced by three or four in the afternoon because like they can't bear living with the shame of what they actually do for a living." Yeah, well, I mean, in the early half of the twentieth century, journalism was considered basically a racket. And it really was Watergate that gave these idiots the idea that they were like a fucking holy paladin waging a war for truth. Yeah. And that is the metaphor that the circuit and the show goes with is Don Quixote. 
Yes. It's like Jeff Newsroom as Don Quixote, and then he's waging a war, as he says over and over again, for civility. <laughs> yeah. Or decency or something well, like that. But again, like, Don Quixote was delusional. Yeah, he's that's why it's a... Con- Does comedic anyone book. read that book? It's about an asshole, like a guy who <laughs> behaves like. I mean, I guess Jeff News. They're windmills, you fucking <laughs> asshole! Someone take him home. So I think now, like, okay, you know the setup. I think we know most of the main players. Yeah. So I think we're just going to take you now through our greatest hits of our last seventy-two hours of torturing ourselves with the newsroom. So we describe the pilot episode. The next episode I'd like to talk about I think is episode three of the first season which which is about Jeff Newsroom choosing to do a show in which he apologizes for doing the news badly in the past and this is happening in the background of the rise of the Tea Party and his sort of one man crusade against what's happening to his Republican because he's party. a good Republican yeah. yes exactly they say he's that every episode Rockefeller Republican no that he makes a point of saying over and over again I'm a Republican from Nebraska but you know what like these Republicans they're not real. They're not real Republicans. They're radicals. The Tea Party movie was hijacked. He goes in this whole he's thing like, about he's how like, it was Look, hijacked. Is I believe this the in- one where they compared SDS to the yes, Tea Party. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yes. It's just like the SDS, Those the Tea Party. Those radicals that yeah. wanted to, you know, desegregate. And then he and then he goes like, he's like, look, I'm a Republican. I believe in like limited government and like common sense. I just don't think hurricanes are caused by gay marriage. Like I believe hurricanes are caused by barometric pressure and not gay marriage. Yeah. You know those uh, moderate Republicans like Nelson Rockefeller who uh, puts black people in a cage forever for having ten grams of marijuana. Those respectable moderates who expand NATO to every end of the earth and drop fire on Vietnamese children. The logical ones. But like yeah, like they have to they have to belabor this point that he's like you know, a, a socially moderate Republican. Like, like it's going to make this fictional characters owns of fictional Tea Party representatives all the more weighty because it's just like, I'm not just some dumb liberal woman. And it, and it is a West Wing, uh, it's a plank of the West Wing ideology, obviously, because as Amber said in that episode, it shows that he's not ideological, that he's gone beyond the, he's not confined to the ideology of right or left, because he's a Republican, but he's actually going out exactly. of the, going well, after the Tea Party. He does have ideology, and it's the well, we, fucking news. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. And in the background, in the <laughs> background, in the background of, of him doing the news and going real hard at these liars and prevaricators on embarrassing... In his own party? Yeah, yeah, embarrassing congressmen on his cable news show. Mm. The higher-ups at the network, the corporate, the bosses, are like, this Jeff Newsroom's gone too far. The way he's embarrassing politicians on our... and getting ratings on our cable news show... Can't happen. Jane Fonda is the I don't know. Oh yeah, Jane Fonda is head of the network. Or, yeah. yeah, she can hang out with the guys, and she's quiet for most of this episode. She's just watching the her her assistants attack Sam Waterston, and Sam Waterston refuses to stop doing the news, and they they plead and beg. Finally, <laughs> it ends. Stop doing the news. And then finally, I won't. It, it, it it ends, and he's bobbling his head around, going like, you know, we're doing news ever since the Kaiser ascended. No, and it one no. Sorry, at one point they say like Jane Fonda gets mad with them and she goes yeah you're doing the news news for the left and he goes no news for the center and she scoffs at him like what are you talking what the fuck are you talking about and then he goes the facts are the center yes and and Jane Fonda eventually says he's just he's saying too many things that you know we answer to corporations and the corporate 
overlords that we Charles have. Charles and David Coke. Yeah, yeah, Coke. And you think about what Jeff Newsom has been saying up until that point. It's like um, that the Constitution is good and um, uh, g- gay marriage is okay. And it's like, these are not things that... This is what Threat. corporations are <laughs> yeah, threatened yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's going up there saying that, like, you know, we need to seize the means of production or, like, you know, it, like a, a moderately liberal op- opinion on labor. He's just saying banal things that Aaron Sorkin thinks threatens corporations, that, like, the the theory of evolution is something corporations are if, trying if to If Charles and David Koch saw, like, Keith Overman be like, actually, sir, Ben Franklin was a deist. <laughs> they'd, yeah, yeah, they'd get yeah. on the phone to, like, the head of Viacom and be like, Shut it down. Well, that's the funny thing is that he owns all these uh, dipshit tea party people, but he owns them in a way that shows that this motherfucker is obsessed with cable news, but he clearly doesn't watch it because none of the arguments happen the way the cable news arguments do. New- Jeff Newsroom asks the question, and then these dopes all answer it in the affirmative. Like, like uh, well, would you agree with this? And they say, yes, I would. And he goes, well, would you agree with this? And they go, of course. And they're like, well, if you believe in this and this, then what about this? And they're yeah. just like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, that's not how but cable news conversations this happen. But fantasy. It's just his yeah. fantasy. Yeah, but it's like, he's like, oh, man, he'd say this, and then I'd say this, and then boom. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it, like it, all it is. It, it's like verbal craft maga. It's like, well, you know, 75% of the time in a specific Boeing yeah. model, if a guy pointed an M4 at me, I'd disarm him. It, it's the same thing. If you uh, follow my leading question, you know, uh, would Jesus Christ pay his taxes or something? <laughs> like any of these fucking trained Republican right. lizards would go down that path. Yeah, because they all, when you ask them a no, yes or no question, they just filibuster and speak like orthogonally to the question until their time is up. That's what they do. And uh, I just want to like make a point about like so Jane Fonda gets this like interminable monologue that again is this like very ham-fisted uh, reference to the Ned Beatty scene in uh, Network. And I'm sure Aaron Sorkin has like you wouldn't have to search far for him saying something like Patty Chayefsky is considered a hero of mine, per- personal hero. Yeah, <laughs> personal hero of mine. But um. What she does is tell this like incredibly labored joke about Jesus and Moses playing golf that takes fucking forever it and like not connected. And, and doesn't and isn't connected to anything. anything. It's and just, a very realistic interaction with an old person. <laughs> to be fair, but but to the point about network, I think it speaks to like the mind at work here, the mind of the genius himself, Aaron Sorkin, oh. who I'm pretty sure interpreted Network as a movie about how this Howard Beale character was just. He yeah. just had his moment of truth telling and he told too much truth. Not that he was always a fucking hollow buffoonish and figure. Mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very obviously mentally ill in the movie. Right. Um, so then like Sam Waterson's character is getting pressure from the suits because Jeff Newsroom is going too hard at the tea party and he's she's like, I have business in front of this Congress. So there's that going on. And then and then Jeff does his like a personal comment now. In the past, I've covered stories about Pregnancy, Lady Gaga, <laughs> the wage gap, <laughs> childcare, healthcare, the female nursing, orgasm, <laughs> wandering wombs. But I'd like to apologize. And like one of the things he apologized, he's like, in the past, I've done stories that did not, like you know, lift us up to a higher ground. That did not tell the truth about our strength as a people. And I'm like, these aren't facts. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? He like, also doesn't mention the Iraq War. He doesn't yeah. mention Iraq yeah, War yeah, yeah, yeah. or Wall Street or any specific failure of what are the any of the well, specific the actual is, failures of journalism. Because he doesn't think that's what when he thinks that he's really thinking of like having a segment about the Kardashians. 
For him, that's yeah. way the Kardashians like being on the network news channel is worse to him than the Iraq War. In terms of like, I think ma- you're probably journalistic right. malpractice. Yeah. He absolutely cares yeah. more about yeah, absolutely. that. Absolutely. Keep in mind, Aaron Sorkin, I believe has I, I know I know this for a fact. And in one point, he did say that out of all like news like opinion writers are calling this, he likes Peggy Noonan more than anyone. So, oh my, what is the fuck? yeah? Keep that <laughs> keep that in mind. So Jeff. Jeff Jeff apologizes for doing the bad news, and he's like, "We are rededicating our efforts to like you know do the news the way it should be, the way it used to be with men. There were men who did the news, great men. They had names, names like Murrow, Cronkite, Rather, Brokaw, Russert, and he says Buckley yep. in that mix. We, we had to, to rewind, rewind it. it. We were like, "Wait, Buckley wasn't really a newsman. He was a fucking lizard commentator <laughs> who had some <laughs> who is pro segregation." Yeah, he actually throws in. William, I mean, again, to like jerk off all these like net, great network news figures like Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather is a bit much to begin with. But he throws in William F. Buckley and Tim Russert onto this list of fucking the immortal greats of American news TV journalism. And it's like nothing says reason to civil debate like threatening to punch a goddamn queer right in the face. <laughs> he or, stood up to the queers. Or, or even worse, than, even worse than that, Tim Russert's fucking appallingly weak like yeah like if pantomime you want to complain about about the news turning into like empty entertainment that was russert's entire deal was yep. how do i turn these div- interviews into appointment television and it was pointless gotchas yeah it made people momentarily awkward but and did then, not impose any actual insight on it and then talked about his dad for like the other half yeah. of the ah, big russ, big russ. Ah. yeah um Okay, so it's like it, this is the third episode now of the show, and it's already had some of the most revolting things I've ever seen on TV. Going to episode four now. Yeah. This is where it gets good. This is where like the, one of the main antagonists. This of, is my of favorite show episode has been revealed. Episode four begins on New Year's Eve. It's the New Year's Eve party in the ACN newsroom. <laughs> Will McAvoy is in a three thousand dollar tuxedo, alone in his office, smoking a cigarette, because God damn it. Parties are stupid and frivolous. Jeff, Jeff Newsroom, come outside. It's New Year's Eve, sir. New Year's Eve, sir. Surely there's no news to be had. <laughs> and he's like, oh, leave me alone. You know, the people out there are having fun and socializing. So then he finally comes out of his news cave. And the Olivia Munn character like begins bantering with him about like, he's like, why doesn't he go just talk to someone at a party? This is what, it's New Year's Eve. This is what you do. And he's like, oh, do, do people actually do that? Oh, I guess. We'll back and forth. And then she's like, oh, look over there. Like, Here's a woman who's clearly at this New Year's Eve party alone. She looks gorgeous and single and unaccompanied. She's just begging for a tall, handsome newsman to come up and tell her the facts. Put his news into her. <laughs> and uh, the, the character he approaches is played by Hope Davis. And he comes up to her and they begin flirting. And basically, after he says, Hi, my name's Jeff Newsroom. I host Newsnight. She's just like... <laughs> just she goes... I'll tell you what, why don't you kiss me at midnight and we'll see where it goes from there. Just offering herself to him and just like falling for him. And he's like, you know, getting ready to like, you know, lean in and she distracts him. By the way, Jeff Newsroom is supposed to be like, this is what Aaron Sorkin thinks a handsome man looks like. And he just looks like an old man. Well, as, yeah, because Amber, what you said that Emily Mortimer says in the first episode, if we took my my news skills and your looks and (laughs) and rugged jaw 
And it's like, like the man is not. A, he's Jeff Daniels is not an ugly he just man. Looks like but any older man. He's just an old. old no, jolly he's, man. he's lower than coffee. average. I'm sorry, I'm going to weigh in here. He's, uh, he's below average. But yeah. in this, he's King Solomon. Like Jeff Daniels and any woman, it's like Song of Songs. It's <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Well, she's throwing herself at him. She's throbbing. Her body is vibrating, standing next to him. And then, and then she's like, "Yeah, I, I just have to do one thing tomorrow. I got to finish up my hit piece on uh, um, the one new of the house, real housewives one of the real housewives." And then she's and then it's getting people are counting down to years. Yeah, nice. and he's like, and she starts she to lean. He goes, he goes, "What do you mean hit piece?" She's like, "You know, a hit piece or no, a, a takedown piece where you take somebody down." And then it's like one, and she's about to hit, and he literally takes his palm and shoves her. What? And he's disgusted with the idea of a hit piece and that she would ever think to debase the title of journalist with conduct such as that. And he just then reams her out. You and I do the same thing for a living. That's nuts, Nina. I try to expose the truth about things that are of national importance. Well, I'm trying to expose the truth about the fact that Brittany might have had a daughter when she was a teenager, who's now 10 possibly and being taken care of by her mother. Why is that the concern of anyone except for Brittany, her hypothetical daughter, and her mother? It's entertainment. Okay, well, here's the thing, though. It shouldn't be. Is that right? Of course it's right. You know it's right. You know right from wrong. Everybody said you were like this. Immediately begins drilling her with questions about like why anyone should care about a Real Housewives in New Jersey. Why would you be mean to this Real Housewives in New Jersey? Why would you, quote, take her down? And she's like... Okay, all right. I see this isn't going she's anywhere. On TV. <laughs> yeah. she, she's an entertainment columnist. She, like, so we find out Hope Davis's character is like a gossip columnist for this rag called TMI that's supposed to be like TMZ or fucking just the stand in for bad tabloid, you know, news culture. Yeah, exactly. Then throughout the rest of this episode, if that first scene wasn't enough, you get two more instances of Jeff's newsroom turning down women and what it would otherwise be a sure thing because they behave in a way that offends his news sensibilities. Which is in the script, by the way. Hope Davis says, you just turned down a sure thing. Like, he's <laughs> making the woman say that. Yeah. There are two, the two other ones. Real quick, he's, at a, he's, at, he's having drinks with one woman, and then he starts telling her about how he got turned down by the other woman because yes. he slandered... Uh, one of the Real Housewives in New Jersey begins to tell him, "Oh, I love that show. It's so funny. Oh, she's having an instruct like affair with her yoga instructor," and begins reaming off all of her dumb chick interests. Yes, and then he's just like, uh, "Check, please." Yes. <laughs> then he has another date in his apartment, like taking her dress off, played by Catherine Han, by the way, mm-hmm. in one of the many thankless roles that she had to do before she blew up now and deservedly so. But. um She's like, oh, hey, like you're, you're fun and sexy. Like, hey, do you smoke? Do you smoke? Like, would you like to smoke some weed? And he's like, I haven't in a while, but you know, sure, why not? Fucking, I'm doing the news now, so might expand. Might as well expand my mind. She's like, okay, great, go in my purse. It's in a, in the pocket or whatever. I have a joint there for us. So he goes in her purse and then he immediately sees a fucking uh, a small ladylike handgun in there. Yeah, and she's in the other room, like taking her clothes off, and he's like, um, excuse me, honey, uh, what's this? And like she, he, he, the date, the woman he just brought to his house, he is now standing in the living room holding her gun and basically pointing it at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, "Excuse me, yeah. like, can you explain this, Jeff?" And she, oh, I think he had just been on the TV that night going to town about on gun the NRA. control, yeah, and, and and against the NRA. And then she goes, "Look, buddy, I saw you tonight. I think you're great, but uh, you're totally wrong on guns." No, what she says is, "I work for Hillary." 
But by the way, you're totally wrong on guns. I, she says, I'm as liberal as you get. Like, I'm yeah. as lefty as you get, but you're wrong on guns. And uh, then he, like, you know, owns her with logic, but not quite enough because she says, well, um, if I'm walking down the street and a guy wants to rape me, this is happening. And she points the gun, and he's unloaded it at that point because um, he just t- decided in front of her to unload her own gun without her permission. And then she's pointing the gun at him, and he goes, actually, this is happening. And he smacks the gun out of her hand. It flies up and lands in his hand, and then he's pointing it at her point blank in his apartment. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw the show tonight. I'm a liberal. It's liberal. I worked for Hillary. You were dead wrong on guns. I didn't take a position on guns. I took a position on lying. I came out against it. Well, if I'm walking the streets of Manhattan at night and a guy your size wants to rape me, then this is going to happen. Actually, statistics show that this is going to happen. Is it wrong that I'm turned on by that? Yes. I gotta say, the uh, anti-gun Republican that Sorkin is fantasizing yeah. about right now. David come. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no, none of these. It is a non-existent creature. Like David Frum. Yeah, I guess that's true. From, David yeah. Frum is very anti-gun. He's from Canada. Though. But I'm just but glad. I'm Canadian. just glad that Jeff Good Newsroom <laughs> took that opportunity to let that woman know. Look, if I want to rape you, it's gonna happen. <laughs> God. You're not doing shit about it. Yeah, yeah, there is no escaping this. I, I mean, also, it's like if a, if a woman, if I like a gun fell out of a woman's purse, and I was hooking up with her. That would be so fucking hot. <laughs> if a woman like brought an aircraft carrier or like a fucking <laughs> anti-air gun or a predator drone, she brought an aircraft apartment. carrier. That'd be very impressive. Yeah. Well, also later, you know, he gets in trouble because now the gossip columnist, women be lying. Yeah, hope. Hope Davis, the bitch gossip columnist who was only mad at him because he turned her down, she's spreading rumors about him, and then that that ends up in the papers. This this woman and women only dislike you because you reject them yes. sexually. She she's like. Um, they're, they're, they're all crowded around the tabloid paper that they picked up going like, do you see what's in here? You pointed a gun at a woman? And he goes, I didn't point a gun at her. I was disarming it and showing her how she get. And it's like, that's supposed, <laughs> to, get be, that's, that's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be, the, well, viewers are supposed to go, yeah, come on, hear Jeff out. But it's like, no, he did point a gun at a woman, I, I was point sho- blank, in I, her apartment. I was showing her how powerful I am and how she's nothing and I could crush her at any time. <laughs> <laughs> she's totally normal. <laughs> I don't even remember the rest of that episode. But like, that's, it's, it's that good stuff. It's all good. All right, so it's where are we going after that? The Bin Laden episode? Yeah, Bin Laden. Ooh, yeah. wow. Oh, no, the Gabby Giffords episode. Oh, oh right. no, no, that, that's the end of this episode. Line. No, no, the, okay, okay, the Gabby Giffords is at the end of, of this one, episode four. So, like, the actual news event that comes is the Gabby Giffords shooting, right? And, like, they're doing the news broadcast as it happens. And, like, the question is, is she dead or is she alive? And, like, the big pressure is, like, certain other news outlets are reporting that she's dead. And like Jeff Newsroom is a real goddamn newsman. It's like that's a person. I'm not I'm, I'm, unless I hear it from a doctor. I'm not putting it on the news. And like some guy from like corporate comes down. And he's like, Jeff, that bitch is dead. She's dead. You tell her family that she's dead right now. We're losing a we're losing a half a point of ratings. You're done. And he just like stares him down. And like as this is happening, like some guy that just gets on the phone. Like doctor says she's in stable condition, going into surgery. And he's like, doctors are reporting now. And like. And then, like, he does the news. He does the gets the story right. And then, like, they cut to commercial. And he's like, everybody get in here. Everybody get in here. And there's this moment where, like, he, what is, he says to his producer. Yeah, because he stood by him. He's, this, his producer stood by him, like, his decision not to go on air with Gabby Giffords being dead. And he goes, what's the line? He goes, Don, you're a goddamn newsman. And punch me in the face if I ever say different. That's the inverse of what Buckley said to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> You tell Leona that if she wants me out of this chair, she better bring more than just a couple of guys. That's exactly what I'll fucking tell her. I'm not fucking-
fucking around, Charlie. Pete, for fucking seal. Matt. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. I fucked everything up. It's gonna be all right. What the fuck is going on? You're a fucking newsman, Don. I ever tell you otherwise, you punch me in the face. And then, like, the, uh, the, 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 the sister to that scene, the real quick one, it comes in another episode where it's the last episode, the last scene of the episode. They've just got done covering the midterm elections, which coincidentally the Tea Party absolutely rocked. After all in. that owning, after, after all those montages of newsroom they're crushing all, these people. It's like two in the morning, they're all sitting around the bar, and Jeff Newsroom just raises a glass and goes, I love doing the news. And they literally give a toast to the news. Yes. Yeah, they do. And you may have seen, we actually posted a video of us watching it. And it was like he he raises the glass like the sentence isn't even out of his mouth and then it's just about a a minute straight of us just screaming and cackling because that's that was that's that was such an honest a weird reaction thing to that to scene. Say. That was the first no touch come in my life. <laughs> the way you like I mean I love my job I love the I love yeah. you guys I love journalism. But the news, <laughs> like most of yeah, the news is a, like genocide and there's shit. There's a lot about news. There's not a lot about journalism. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like people getting shot in ditches and killed with drone strikes or people being di- wiped out by natural disasters. Well, and no one's ever doing anything investigative. It's always just chasing uh, whatever's going that, on. You say that, but in the final, one of the final episodes, Jeff... Uh, which is one of the more ridiculous strains has a source that he won't give. He's an anchor, <laughs> yeah. and he has when a was the source. Last time one of those bubble-headed <laughs> yeah. dipshits. So Jeff is doing some source. investigation. Jesus. Oh wow! I knew okay, it would go like, on. We have to talk about the finale yeah. for the, for the, the yeah. sake of time. We only have we, a couple things left. We should talk about the Bin Laden one. The Bin Laden one was pretty good. With okay, let's 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 talk about the Bin Laden episode. All right, we'll do Bin Laden, Dead Dad, last episode. That should be 20 minutes tops. Yeah. All right, so the Bin Laden episode rules. Uh, so the episode is called 5-1 because Aaron Sorkin is under the delusion that the death of Bin Laden would be a generational defining event. Like, you'd be able to come up to somebody now and say, where were you on 5-1? And they say, what the fuck are you talking about? I and don't that, remember, actually. No, I don't yeah. know. Uh, people were like, oh, Bin Laden's dead. I was watching the dang news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were was, making the I dang news. making love to the news is what I was doing. Uh, so... Starts. It's a party. They're celebrating their year on the air, and they're. It, it. By the way, it looks like a terrible party. It looks like you're. It looks like the. Of course, uh, it's a media. Party. It looks like the party you dream of going to as like a nerdy freshman in college. Yeah, like it's, they're, they're they're like just like like newsrooms playing a guitar. Yeah, they're playing Guitar Hero. There's a guy playing chess there, yes. and it's, yeah. this is the most yeah. depressing, saddest it's part. So sad. And Jeff Newsroom has acquired edibles from yeah. the non-white news employee. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Like, yo, Jeff, you down? And, yeah, and he accidentally you can say the N word, which is just a classic move. I ate too many drugs, yeah. <laughs> and so then while they're there, uh, Sam Waterston gets the news. The news man gets the news. He from a source that something big's coming, and then they find out that the president's going to be speaking in about two hours, on uh, breaking into all broadcasts. So they're like, something's up. So they have to go back to the studio because they're the A team. Whoever's there, fuck them. The A team has to go there. All yeah. of them. Yeah. And, and uh, oh yeah, Jeff Newsroom has a bodyguard during some episode arc where people want to kill him for making the news, <laughs> and so he runs out of his bodyguard's car. His bodyguard's black, and uh, the bodyguard comes out and yells like, "Jeff, come back here! You can't go on these streets. You're on drugs." And these two like you know racist cops come up to him and uh, you know force him up against the car and frisk him and shit. And can, that's important later on. Can I bring out what Matt brought up uh, just before I go to the bathroom about the. The B team, they, it wasn't the B team of the news they interrupted. It was like a TMZ show. There was this woman in this like thin cut top who was out there and she's like, 
ah, Madonna got no boobs. <laughs> and then, like, um, yeah, Don, the lizard, Cuomo, lizard boy. runs out. And he's like, get the fuck off my set, twat. Because <laughs> no, 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 he's not. No, he's on the, he's on the, he's on the airplane. Oh, right. No, it wasn't Don. It was uh, the other yeah. freakish man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so well, there, so Jeff Newsom is running high through the streets of Manhattan to get back to the news. Um, uh, and among us. and uh, Sam Watterson's trying to confirm with his sources so they can say who what it was before the announcement by Obama. And then three of them are stuck on a tarmac on an airplane, uh, including the lizard man. And they're like, we got to get off. But they're stuck on the tarmac. They can't get to the fucking gate. And they're like, oh, my God, our phones are blowing up. Things are happening. We got to find out. And the lizard guy keeps wanting to get up to go to his to talk to his uh, other person and th- this uh, stewardess keeps saying you can't do that it's fucking FAA regulations and he's just an abusive shithead to her the another whole time. woman stopping him Are, and then he's like hold on a second I have a box cutter let's charge the cockpit and if you remember <laughs> the first episode of the West Wing there's also a fucking scene where the guy proves his point by logic that you can use your phone on an airplane <laughs> and it's just like that's Sorkin's ideology he's mad at, about airplane regulation well you know he's, get, he's been told to turn off his stupid phone a billion times and it fills him with rage every time he has to do it so while that's happening eventually they get to the studio uh, Will McAvoy has an awful awful like high scene where Jeff Daniels pretends to be high and he's like oh I'm high. He literally says, "Like I'm high," yeah. and he's giggling. It's like it's worse than reefer madness. It's brutally terrible. And then finally, they're like, oh, "What about it? What about it? What do we? What do, do we yeah, say?" Aaron Sorkin only does uppers, to be yeah. fair. Uh, and they're um, they're all like, "Should we go forward?" And finally, they're the big triumph of the episode is that they report that Bin Laden's been killed five minutes before the president comes on and says it. So it's like, holy shit. Which is the whole stupid, uh, supposedly stupid uh, ratings chasing ideology that he's railing against yeah. is that you got to be yeah. there first. And so, yeah, they were right too, but the, the speed of five minutes shouldn't matter. Not, it, wait for him to fucking talk. What difference it does it make? It also typifies how low stakes and boring this fucking show is. Super There's no show. drama it's or tension boring. about the things that happened. We all know how that went down. Oh. It's just the only, the most dramatic thing can, that can happen is oh we fucked up the news or oh we got the news five minutes before a competitor got the news i remember now what the closest thing the episode does to a justification for why they care somebody says to Mackenzie, it's who cares it's five minutes and she goes i hate bin laden and, uh, and the, I, I I hate the idea of him having him alive for uh, even uh, one more minute. Oh my well, that's, god! That's a good reason to jump the gun. Yeah. It cuts to the other newsrooms, and they're like, "I can't believe he's dead." <laughs> I'm gonna miss him so much. He got me into news at those. The videos. end yeah. of the episode is one of the most despicable things I've ever seen on television. First, you see the B plot on the airplane where the guy's screaming at the stewardess, and the stewardess gets the pilots, and the pilots come out because he just got the news that Bin Laden's dead on his. Phone, and then he just looks at the pilots and says, "Looks at their stripes." There's a close-up on the stripes on the pilots' uh, fucking shoulders, and then of the little, uh, the little uh, jewel pin. Yeah, and the jewelry that they wear. And then he says, "Gentlemen, there's something you need to hear. We got him for you." And then, even on the plane, the guy is still cruel to the stewardess for no reason, uh, while congratulating the cop. Uh, sorry, congratulating the pilots. And it's like the more, more fucking flight attendants died on 9/11 than pilots. Yeah, yeah, they're also actually, on planes. Actually, no flight attendants died on 9/11. That's sort of a weird thing about it. No Jewish flight yeah, attendants. triple parentheses flight attendants. <laughs> you know that uh, D- 
Donald Trump's daughter-in-law got him to go to the flight attendant country this week. <laughs> no, but my theory is that the whole episode calling it 5-1 and all of this shit, it's just the liberal posturing that took place after they got their asses kicked in too. 2004, Absolutely. where they're like, um, how may we be jingoistic? Oh, we got him, and it was the black president, the yeah, yeah. college professor president who got them. And then the end of the fucking credits, the end credits, there's no music, it's just Obama's speech announcing that we got Bin Laden, the speech that nobody remembers. Or cares. No one cares. <laughs> but like, uh, to, to the point about like, it, it probably, it probably bums out the people who are fans of the show a lot that like you know killing bin laden wasn't as big a deal as 9-11 itself <laughs> it's like, i'm sorry is, is that's the like, moment when we redeemed, balance each other yeah out? that's the moment we totally redeemed ourselves as a country yeah. and uh it just reminds me of uh in the episode we just watched from like the very final episode of the show there's a scene where like the guys who take over the website get fucking owned by dev patel who like comes back from vacation or something to be oh, like he wasn't on vacation he was hiding out because he was like snowden in this timeline. oh okay all right and like he walks in on them when they're trying to come up with a listicle of like the nine most overrated movies and he's like yeah i see what you're doing you make me sick. Every day I look at these lists where you're taking down fine movies like Avatar <laughs> and the and curious like, case of about- Benjamin Button. Why is underrated? Why is that better than overrated? Oh, no. Why not underrated? Why not underrated? Why? Yeah, overrated? his problem wasn't that it's bullshit listicle content, but be- that it was negative. Yeah. yeah. Bullshit because because the, real pers- the, the real protagonist of that scene is not on stage. It is the m- writers and directors of those fine films who have to read bullshit negative criticism of it. The only thing that's germane about the ending of the first season is that they bring everything full circle by having the dumb sorority bitch come and work <laughs> for Jeff Newsroom as his yeah. intern to be it's basically amazing. his I saw servant. that and I almost died. I had a, I had a, uh, uh, Felix instantly grammed it. Uh, I, cause like when you think of what that video did in the world that they've created, it was like a billion hits. It was a hugely viral video and it's him just screaming at this woman and just destroying her. It's humiliating. I mean, I can't imagine how humiliating that would be, but because of his principle and belief in news that, is revealed over the course of the episode. She comes to work for him. Mm-hmm. She's like, I will, sp- I will let you spit in my face, and I will care, literally, carry water for you. At one scene, they show her like giving him a, a water in between uh, takes, uh, because of how awesome you are at the news. Sorority girl. Don't be scared. You're the girl, right? I'm Jennifer Johnson. Just graduated Northwestern. Stay calm. A year early. You asked me that moronic question, and then my world came apart, and she came here, and I landed in the tabloids, and I got death threats, and my job is constantly in jeopardy, and you ruined my life? Again, just stay calm. Yes, that was me. What the hell are you doing here? This is what Sorkin thinks of women. If you abuse them long enough and then show them one smidgen of kindness... Literally, how you inscribe fucking Stockholm syndrome upon someone—that's how you build lasting relationships there's an with ingredient female you're, colleagues. You're, there's an ingredient you're missing in there, though, which is logic. Yeah, he gets—he abuses her with logic so that she sees the the logic underneath. He just the beats her with a ruler and a dictionary. Yes, if you abuse them with logic, they will be buried alive with you in your news tomb when you enter <laughs> the news afterlife. <laughs> Okay, we complete- skip second season. Second season two. The only thing we need to know season. about the second season is that Maggie, the dizzy blonde who's too preoccupied with her vagina and her boyfriends to do the news right, fucks up royally. And the whole second season is about their entire news 
their credibility. credibility being destroyed. Yeah. So that's the arc that we missed for the second season. Okay. And then the third season is truncated, so we saw most of it. Yeah. There's just okay. There's there's two things. From, stop stop looking the letter. That Billy. picks okay. up on the mic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Children. <laughs> just. Playing so, with the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. We're almost there, You're just there, an guys. older child. You're just a slightly older child. Let's finish this goddamn broadcast. <laughs> this is like this is like doing the midterm elections. This is what it feels we like. We just stress yeah. to the listeners that we've watched at least 12 hours of the newsroom, yeah. so yeah. I'm sorry if we sound a little taxed. And we, we all, did this for you. Yeah. 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 This, we're goddamn podcast. <laughs> Punch us in also, the face. Also, we're all operating on like yeah. a brick of hash. <laughs> Are we literally like... We were wa- we watched three episodes in a row earlier this week, and Will was like, "I can't do it again." And I was like, "God damn it, Will! We have a responsibility <laughs> to our listeners to say that Jeff Newsroom has slaves." <laughs> <laughs> okay, two moments from one episode of season three that has to be addressed. The first is Jeff Newsroom's jail room encounter with his dad's ghost. Or figment of his imagination. Mm. Jeff Newsroom is incarcerated because he's too much of a newsman to give up his source about, I don't know. Who cares? Felix joke that that I'm just going to have to ventriloquize in case he doesn't remember. Jeff enters the prison and Felix shouted out. Oh, yeah, newsman walking here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, (laughs) Jeff Jeff Daniels, Jeff Newsroom gets put in jail and like his celly is this like sort of cagey like white guy who's like, you're some kind of some kind of big city newsman, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't knew that news. That's Jew news for me. <laughs> like, and you know, like peppering him with questions and shit, and, and like he's being, you know, as he always is to everyone who ever is around him, imperious and condescending and dismissive. Um, and he's like talking in there, and then the uh, the guards like you know drag their batons across the bars, and they're like, "Keep that news down in there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's sending kites with the news on it to people. <laughs> It's like a, it's Oz, but he's at a BC. So his part of this episode is that like he's in jail having these conversations with this like sleazy fucking cellmate, and he's like racist, and you know he's in there he's, for domestic a, battery. A, a, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a domestic abuser and an alcoholic. And he's like, you know, he's like, you look down on me as a journalist. Well, you beat women, so I don't think very highly of you, sir. Um, and then I forget why, but like then finally he's like let out of prison. They're like, he's not going to talk. Better let him out. The government's trying to persuade him to give up the source. And uh, he's talking with the lawyer and he goes, um, we asked him if he wanted a conjugal visit and he asked for a copy of the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was just jerking off into the to Peggy Noonan's editorial for some reason. Yeah. Um, they so didn't then, crack like, he, him. He, yeah, they didn't crack him. They let him out. And like as he's leaving, he's like taking the photographs like that he like you know put up on the wall, you know like the hot pot where he makes his fucking you know like ramen casseroles that he gets from commissary. He, he prags the guy out to make him Maggie and all the, all the other news wenches. They're like, hey, this is weird. I've been pragged out in the in feds before, but he just yelled at me. He didn't fuck me. And like he's taking the photos off his cell wall. And then you realize that like one of the photos is like of him and his dad in childhood and like his soulmate was his father. Yeah. And Jeff Newsroom was debating the ghost of his own shitty Although parents. Although he did not at any point acknowledge it was a surprise. Yeah. So it's like it makes no sense. So he's projecting this fantasy who is his father He because lo- he looks like the picture. So that means he knows what his dad looks like. 
But he didn't. Rec- he either didn't recognize him, or he was pretending it wasn't his father. But and then the father didn't recognize him as his son because he's how, interviewing his own his, son. How does it, it does well, not make sense? It's Oedipal. I mean, everyone has that. Like, I want to own my dead dad in a debate with logic. <laughs> well, yeah. Everyone, right? Does but you that. would own your dead dad. You wouldn't own a dead guy who. The audience later finds out is your dad. I'm not, dude. It's like fantasy. It's like you know when you're with a woman for a long time and you pretend to be Emmanuel Macron and he <laughs> pretends to be is your it, drama teacher. Is it possible that the explanation is that Aaron Sorkin is a bad writer uh-huh. and that he just thought that would be a great twist and then just kind of had to reverse engineer it without actually making it work? If you thought that that was the most ludicrous part of this episode, you'd be wrong. <laughs> because oh, yeah. this episode also the other subplot in this episode contains I think maybe the most problematic Aaron Sorkin moment ever which is the this. campus rape oh, episode boy. yes you're right yes this is the campus rape where the, the, the Cuomo looking producer the has, to, man. has to go interview a college girl who's been raped on campus and like she's trying to get her her rapist expelled or prosecuted from the school and what she's done is set up sort of like an open source website where you know women who have been uh, assaulted or raped can name their rapist like on on campus and like you know be like don't date this guy kick him out of school etc etc so he goes to interview her and like get the story and he's like i don't want to do this like you know this is this, I feel bad about this. And like he interviews this uh, this college student in her dorm room alone, which is already weird. And then like goes into intimate details about like her ordeal of being raped on campus only to sort of like use logic to tell her basically what happened to you is terrible and I believe you. I affirm you. But if your website causes even one innocent man to be accused by a lying, scheming bitch. Yeah. <laughs> then nothing that'll happen to you will have ever mattered. <laughs> and she agrees with him. And she's like, I think you're right. And I'm then th- I'm taking the website down. And then Sam Waterston dies. Yeah, they, they're having oh, an argument in Sam Waterston. Like, it's a, it, they play like, um, they used Coldplay before in the show, but what song did they oh, use? Oh, Shenandoah. Yeah, Oh, Shenandoah. When he's, he's like, Collapses and makes like a look on his face like he's Toucan Sam. He did look like Toucan Sam. And he hits his head on the fucking desk, and it's one of the funniest scenes we I've ever seen. We also tweeted uh, us laughing at that hysterically. <laughs> for just yeah. pitches for, it's like a Monty Python sketch. He just yeah. pitches forward. He just pranks his head on the side of the I'm desk. following the Kaiser to hell. All right. That Sam Waterston. What happened to Sam Waterston is seriously going to happen to me right now. I'm yeah. seriously going to. Three hours of podcast. Today, boys. <laughs> Fucking a. Uh, Last episode. Last episode. Let's do uh, it. I'll stand up for this. Do we have to do more? No, the last one. We just wrap it up. Okay. Uh, there's a funeral for Sam Watson's character. Jeff Newsom literally takes out a guitar and everyone joins him with guitars around him. The, and it's Sam Watson's grandkids. Sam Watson's yeah. grandkids. And then the, the other non lizard, bland white guy shows up and he also plays on rhythm guitar. Yeah. And then the black yeah, guy the black plays, guy plays, rhythm. plays yeah. rhythm. And then the, my element of that scene that is most important is that, uh, is that it shows everybody like watching in like ecstasy. 
And like that's the real thing. It's it's Jeff Newsroom standing in a room and people adulating him. That is a recurring motif over and over again. And that is Sorkin cosplaying as himself in a fantasy world where everybody gets how awesome he is. But yeah. Amber, as you pointed out, he uh, he hijacks uh, a man's wake so that he can play, do some impromptu rhythm and blues performance and everyone can have a big hoedown. And you were just like imagining the guy's wife coming out and be like, my husband is dead. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he tells his grandson, he's like, he goes up to him and he goes, look, your grandfather's dead. Your parents are going to divorce. If you ever need someone to talk to, to just jam with, I'm here. And it's like, it, we're supposed to be setting up a fatherhood arc because Jeff impregnated Mackenzie with his with uh, facts. New, news air. <laughs> That's his, the kid, by the way, I reserve the right to fire you if it's a daughter. Uh, 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 but he, it's starting to set up a fatherhood arc. But he's actually grooming uh, Sam Waterson's grandkid. To be a newsman. Uh, no. Sure. No, that's how you become a newsman. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how you become yeah. a newsman. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. you're groomed by like newsman. Every newsman went through it. You're going to go through it, too. <laughs> yeah. And it's really a nerd episode because the rest of it is flashbacks to before they come together for their first episode. And it shows Biff Newsroom being a bad newsman. He doesn't care about it, it, the news. It's like, it really it shows that... It was at first you're just thinking, oh, he's recommitted to the news. But you see, no, this is a genuine saw on the road to Damascus conversion. This is born again newsman. This news is God. That's what the last episode yeah. posits. Yeah, mm. like in the prequel scenes, he's doing the news and he's like, I don't care. We'll talk to the celebs. Let's do a report. Let's do a report about Facebook. <laughs> it's like the scene from The Simpsons where Flanders is recalling his period of, as an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Landers is a boring old biddy. <laughs> More animal than man. (laughs) So, (laughs) folks, that's the newsroom. We've done the West Wing. Hell yeah. Now we've done the newsroom. Hell yeah. We did it, everyone. We did it, everybody. We did it, guys. God damn, I love podcasts. If they could see see us right now in the room. I'm sweating. Will Will is Will McAvoy. I'm uh, I'm the guy who fucks Olivia Munn. I I, I think I am going to have a heart attack, so I'm (laughs) Sam Waters. Guys. I hope it was as fun for you as it was torturous for us. I'm going to have a heart attack. My head's going to hit Ember's <laughs> coffee table like a fucking cue ball break, break oh, on it. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. News. Bye. Oh, my God. I know a song you like. If you love somebody enough You follow wherever they go That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis If you love somebody enough You'll go where your heart wants to go That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis can you play that thing? Yeah. Go to the five. I know if you'd seen her, you'd tell me, because you are my friend. I've got to find her, find out the trouble she's in. Jim Harper's here. If you tell me she's not here, I'll follow the trail of her how I got to Memphis She would get mad and she used to say She'd go back to 
Memphis someday That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis I haven't eaten a bite I haven't slept three days or nights That's how I got to Memphis That's how I got to Memphis Here comes a fancy solo Find her and tell her that I love her so I'll never rest till I find out why she had to go <laughs> Thank you for your precious time Please forgive me if I start to cry It's how I got to Memphis It's how I got to Memphis Will, Mackenzie says it's time to head back to the studio. Thank you. I know your parents' divorce has been tough and tough and tough.